0: Hello, and welcome to this week's Worldwide Civility Council podcast on civility. The topic of today's podcast is Civil Dialogue in Uncivil Times. This is a rebroadcast of the interview with Dr. Clark Olson from the Hot Media with Bob Band podcast of July 31st,
1: 2020. Dr. Clark Olson is my guest. Dr. Olson is professor in the U Downs School of Human Communication at Arizona State University. He's also a founding director of the Institute for Civil Dialogue. His book, Hot Topics, Cool Heads, is a great guide to the concept of civil dialogue, which our country needs now more than ever before. Let's talk a little bit about the concept of civil dialogue. A lot of people don't know what you mean. They think it either means politeness or let's agree to disagree and nothing really gets discussed because people think you have to scream, get emotional, get upset when serious issues and real opinions are discussed. What is and is not the concept of civil dialogue when it comes to just mere politeness?
0: Well, that's a great question because philosophers for a long time have thought that whenever you put your political thoughts into the public arena for scrutiny, you have to uh, be a little bit hands-off with those and be polite. And in fact, there are even those philosophers who equate Merely avoid the potentially of the potential of offending another person. To do so would only be to stifle your deep-seated values. We agree with Rawls, who writes that civility requires people to be willing to explain the grounds of their action, and we agree that civility reveals one's values, whatever they are, however they were formed in the essence of a democratic society.
1: Do the two sides have to agree to the rules of civil dialogue? Can this be a unilateral approach? Can I say, I'm going to reveal my heart, my soul, my deepest feelings, not betray my principles, but I'm also not going to attack this other person? Do you have to have some sort of common ground on civil dialogue between the two or between the groups before it all starts, because if it's a one-way street, it would not be very effective.
0: Right. We do tend to have developed a set of rules of civility. So these are guidelines by which we ask people to behave. Uh, When they engage in conversation, we have a facilitator who makes sure that people follow these rules. And we even have an audience who listens, and when it's the audience's turn, as I'll explain in a few moments, uh, they also abide by these principles of civility. But we think it has really not much to do with being nice to each other. Instead, civil citizens actually risk offending one another toward the greater goal of understanding what their positions are.
1: Is there any way that we can use civil dialogue techniques without the very good and very effective uh, exercise which you have, which has five people involved and a moderator and an audience? We can't always have that. It very right. often happens over dinner with family. It will happen at the beach. It will happen in the oddest circumstances, and uh, we'll get into some of the specific issues. But there are, are there ways where without it being a formalized presentation with a set of rules that we can have civil dialogue that has some degree of purpose?
0: I think there is. I think there are just a number of things that you have to be aware of when you uh, approach, if that's what your desire is, to make sure that you are engaging in civil dialogue.
1: What are some of the things that we can do? What are some of those either restraints or things that are allowed how can we turn you're a fascist oh you're you're a snowflake how can we turn that other than leaving out the name calling into something that's productive and doesn't get people hot i mean we're talking about things like donald trump like black lives matter uh, like you know whether covid is widespread things that really really have people Uh, in different camps and they have emotional reactions uh, regardless of which side of the spectrum they're on. Give us some guidelines. Help us out here.
0: Well, that can be a difficult question because we all tend to run from the heart and uh, we don't always consider these principles in mind. But what we've done is to try to capture a number of, uh, we call them rules of civility or aspects of civility that we would hope both parties would abide by, and they include things like honesty, first to yourself, and secondly, with others, especially with who you disagree. Because we know we all have strongly held attitudes, values, and beliefs, which are at the core of many positions of global change, environments, local issues, which might really affect members highly. And only when we have really sorted out our feelings and are honest with ourselves can we present an honest portrayal of what our feelings are and how we've reached them. We also think it's important to be very conscious of your language choices. And this means largely taking responsibility for your language. This is how I feel, as opposed to, you're wrong, you feel this way. And any time you use a U-term, you are making judgments about what somebody else is thinking or saying. And so claiming ownership and being conscious of your language choices, being aware of what words might become trigger words, are fully
1: important. So stating something not necessarily as a fact, but making it clear that it is your belief could be one way to discuss the issue in an honest way as contrasted to just third person say yeah but you know that I'm just pulling something out of thin air you know Trump's a dictator well you may believe that Trump's a dictator but if you say it as a third person fact that's going to probably close down the dialogue or just turn right. it into a screaming match if you say well I believe that he's going beyond the constitution and he's acting like a dictator you think that that might actually get a conversation going with a with a supporter of the president.
0: Right. That's a language choice that you're making.
1: Let's talk a little bit about one of the hottest topics in the country, not just in 2020, but it has reached a new level in 2020. The George Floyd protests have brought us to the point where we can no longer dance politely around the issue of race. A lot of questions are being asked in a very blunt way. And uh, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, I'm tired of general answers or the statement that you support us, but we really want answers, change and reform. And it can be a a deeply personal discussion. Can you give us any suggestions um, in just everyday conversation Uh, or small group conversation, about a frank discussion of race that really means something and is not patronizing?
0: Well, I think one of the first things you have to do when you tackle a really touchy subject is to work hard to be multi-present. And that means to be very cognizant of what's happened in the past. So you have George Floyd, which is now part of our history, You've got your present audience in terms of who are the people you're discussing with now and what might their beliefs be. And finally, you've got how might my words impact people in the future. And oftentimes we're so eager just to ooze in our conversation that we don't consider being multi-present about how this might impact the facts from the past or even being aware of them, how we feel in the present and how this makes turn in the future as we've seen the George Floyd protests in a variety of cities pivot in a number of directions, from very peaceful protests to ones that uh, get a little bit more out of hand. And I think this is a good example when we see how People who are really cognizant of civility need to be conscious that change is going to happen. And you don't always get to control what kind of change there's going to be. If you're one of those protesters out on the street, there's probably going to be some change. Some people are going to be locked up. Some people might be tear gas. But some change is going to happen as a result of your actions being in that conversation.
1: COVID should be a scientific and healthcare discussion. Nonetheless, it has become a political hot button issue. When talking about COVID, using civil dialogue, you know, you've talked to us about being multi-present, talked to us about making clear that it's your opinion and not just a fact. How can you deal with something like COVID in civil yet productive dialogue in the sense that You really do have scientific facts here, which are sometimes being denied. Uh, This is where opinion can be dangerous because we're not all scientists.
0: That is so true. And I think we need to approach something like COVID, as many of us have, uh, without knowing that we are the ones who are right about COVID, because it's an ever-changing disease. And so we have to be willing to live with a certain amount of disagreement because we hear so many different stories about COVID, so many different remedies about COVID, and we tend to privilege what it is that the media puts on in front of us on a day-by-day basis to give us to watch because many of us have media fatigue, so we're so tired of watching after five months about the latest data on COVID, COVID, the latest push for a vaccine, how many people have died, where COVID is going up, where COVID is going down, that uh, what ultimately happens is we really can't ingest all of that and make some good conclusions. And so the notion behind this news report was we do have to consult the facts We do have to consult the statistics. We do have to see what's happening in just more than one story before we make any conclusions on our own.
1: Well, you're seeing totally different news on different networks. And, of course, the president himself is a media force through Twitter. And regardless of what your opinion is of the president... Uh, I will say, in my opinion, I believe that he is wrong so much more than he is right about COVID. So I will say that in a civil dialogue way without uh, (laughs) trampling on my principles. But you do have a battle here in which two different, three different narratives are being given at any time, depending on the people you listen to. That has to make civil dialogue even tougher here because of the fact that we are all living within our own bubble of facts.
0: I think that's true and I believe. Here's where the why question really becomes important. And if someone might spew for you Trump's latest tweet, or they might get something from the conspiracy media, you just have to be able to probe a little bit as a reasonably intelligent person having been aware of these things and say, well, why is it that you believe that? And you certainly can present some counter facts or some counter statistics and say, here's what I'm using to make up my mind. But you have to genuinely listen and give them an opportunity because you may learn something as to why they have decided to subscribe to if it's President Trump's tweets why they assign high credibility to that or why they assign high credibility to a certain news story. Well, it happened close to me. Well, I know somebody like. And so you've got to be able to kind of ferret it out why someone believes something. And that's often at the core of their values. And that's what's not going to change very much. And so if you're looking in a conversation to change someone's mind, in the civil dialogue we get that's probably not going to occur very much. You might make some inroads, but your chief goal is understanding why people believe the way they believe.
1: It's an interesting difference between why do you believe that and how can you believe that. It's really just changing one word that changes the entire attitude and uh, purpose of the conversation. That's right. interesting. That's how interesting. It
0: comes to it. I think with a little more defensiveness. You know, how could you
1: possibly believe this? It almost implies stupidity or or lack right. of knowledge, and and it becomes inherently hostile. That's that's a very interesting point. First of all, thank you for giving me these specifics because I wanted to lead off with this. But before we finish, I need to give you the opportunity to talk about what you mentioned early in our conversation, which is the exercise, which is so key to uh, Hot Topics, Cool Heads, uh, handbook on on civil dialogue, your book. Tell the audience a little bit because there could be professors, teachers, uh, any kind of group leaders who would really benefit from the use of this particular exercise, how your more formalized exercise works?
0: Well, our format typically happens in public, and we have a group of people who get together and they know a topic area ahead of time, and we announce a topic area ahead of time. It could be COVID, or it could be Black Lives Matter, or it could be immigration or any of the topics that we find to be hot at the moment.
1: And then the format, the format is?
0: And then the format after that is we begin with a, a facilitator who gives some background on this information, both pro and con, so that it kind of feeds everybody's soul so that people have a starting ground as to what they might use. And then we have five chairs that are placed in a semicircle, all the way from strongly agree to somewhat agree to neutral or undecided to somewhat undecided or somewhat disagree to somewhat strongly. And the disagree strongly and the disagree, uh, the agree strongly are faced next to each other. So the people who have the most different opinions actually have to face each other and look at each other so that there is the opportunity for dialogue. And we don't choose these people in advance. We say, here are the positions, here's the statement, and the statement is usually one of provocation because we want to make sure that people are provoked into one position or the other so it's not just a nice conversation about where we can all agree because many conversations start out that way, but we may have a topic like uh, masks should be mandatory in all public places, and you can imagine a topic like that at the moment would have people who agree, who disagree, who somewhat agree, some people who aren't quite sure yet.
1: Right. There's a really provocation even inherent in the question or the statement, the resolution itself. As a matter of fact, the fact that there is a resolution makes me think of it kind of like a debate. That's how high school and college debate works. But you've made it very clear, and of course I, I've spoken to you and seen you at conferences, um, but you've made it very clear that civil dialogue may have somewhat similar Uh, format to a debate, but it is far from a debate. What's the difference?
0: Well, in debate, you're looking for a winner and a loser. A debate has an affirmative side and a negative side. And after you go through the prescribed speeches, usually some by the affirmative team, some by the negative team, at some point, either the audience or a panel of judges is going to say, here's who won this debate. You don't have that in civil dialogue. Hopefully your goal is greater understanding with a civil dialogue. And after the people participate in the civil dialogue, which begins with about a one-minute conversation about why you took the chair you did or the position that you did, then we allow, after everybody's had the chance to talk, we allow everyone about 12 to 15 minutes not to just state their opinion, but to have a civil dialogue where any one of the five members can chime in and say what they're thinking. Uh, of course, the moderator is there, too, if they get a little off track or if they start to violate some of our rules of civility to kind of move them back in order. And after that conversation, we move to the audience. And so the audience has been silent up to this point in time, then gets an opportunity to ask questions of the panelists, to put in their own opinions, or to challenge facts that people might have suggested. And so there's an equally long amount of time where the audience gets to interact. And then we move back to the five original people, and we say, okay, in a minute or so, Tell us where you are now. Tell us what you've learned. Tell us how this may have changed you. Do you still have the same position now, or might you take a different share? And so they have a minute to explain what their concluding feelings are before the facilitator dismisses them and then tries to extract some salient themes out of what happened in the dialogue. Be they themes about the Black Lives Matter movement, or about COVID, or may they just be themes about what happened with civility and how we've engaged in civil conversations and how we might be able to take that elsewhere, for example, to a Thanksgiving table with members of our family.
1: I'm not sure where this came up, but I know it was in the context of your format and your book. Somebody asked, have we ever, each of us, had something we once really believed were passionate about and totally changed our minds as time went on i forget what the context is but the the importance is that there are things if you look back in your life and you were willing to die on that hill over that particular belief you'd be shocked because of the fact that years later you literally changed your mind completely that can happen you know human beings do change and i think Maybe that's something we should be open to. I mean, we have to have our core principles. There's no doubt. We can't just blow with the wind. But we do change our mind over times, don't we?
0: We do. And as we get older, our minds tend to formulate as we've seen more of the world and as we've experienced more situations and as we've watched more news programs, uh, things that we might have been taught when we were very young, we think, you know, I just don't believe that anymore. I remember one civil dialogue that we did, and the conclusion, one of the women came up to us and said, I never knew what my opinion was before, because (laughs) I was always just spouting my mother's opinion. Wow. And I held that opinion so strongly, and I didn't know why. And I now need to realize that I need to get my own opinions so that I can be, as we tie civil dialogue in, to a really important part of democracy. Because if people are not able to give their varying opinions in a democracy, well, we're not going to wind up with one.
1: That is a very good place to end, but I do have a couple of practical questions for you. I would think that any professor or K-12 through teacher uh, who heard this podcast might be interested uh, in um, having this book and using this format. So how can people get a hold of uh, Hot Topic Schoolheads?
0: Well, it's easily available on Amazon. So you can just go to Amazon.com and go to Hot Topics School Heads or go to my name, Clark D. Olson, and it should very quickly pop up and you should be able to order a copy.
1: And it will be used, again, uh, third time in a row, third semester in a row in Median Society uh, coming up in whatever format we happen to be in in a month uh, in my Median Society class. Any final words on civil dialogue, something you might want to leave us with, because it's really important uh, for this democracy to survive, because uh, the opposite of civil dialogue is civil war. So um, what can you leave us with?
0: Well, I think in today's day and age, when we have such a polarized society and such an unwillingness to really listen to each other, that good civil dialogue begins with civil listening. And we have to be able to really want to know why somebody believes what it is they believe, and earnestly listen to them, instead of just using that time to kind of formulate arguments in our own head why they're wrong, or why we believe what we believe but just take a moment, slow the process down a little bit, and internalize why people believe what they believe.
1: Well, I thank you very much, and I think that you have work which really could affect the entire democracy and a lot of our educational and media and political systems as well. So I thank you very much for taking uh, more than 30 minutes to be with us here on Hot Media. You're more than welcome.
0: This has been another podcast from the Worldwide Civility Council. We thank you for listening. For further information on civility and our other projects, please check out our website at civilitycouncil.org. Thank you.